Hello, and welcome once again to the Tag Team Talk Series. Today, uh, I'm joined by several guests from all around the world and talking about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Very excited to hear about this topic, Drupal's new automatic update feature. This is part of a uh, Drupal Core strategic initiative happening uh, as part of the uh, Drupal Core roadmap. And today, we're going to talk with the maintainer of the project, as well as several special guests about what it is, why it's important, and how you can get started with it right away and uh, help us report any bugs or any issues you might encounter. But before we get started, I just want to remind everyone who's joining us today, don't forget to check out our previous Tag Team Talks at tag1.com slash tag team talks. We've done several amazing webinars and uh, sessions with guests from all around the world about real-time collaborative editing, rich text editors, and of course, our work working with a top 50 fortune company in all of these issues. If you do like this session, if you've enjoyed this conversation today, please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share it with all your friends and colleagues uh, at your team. So first thing I want to do today is introduce myself. My name is Preston So. Um, I'm a contributing editor at Tag1 Consulting, moderator here at Tag Team Talks, joined by my friend Michael Myers, managing director of Tag1, uh, located here in New York City. Both of us are in separate places here in New York. Um, we're joined today by Lucas Heading from Leon Nicaragua, the senior architect and data and application migration expert at Tag1. Lucas is one of the top 20 most active contributors to Drupal 8. He's also the Drupal core migrate subsystem maintainer, a core contribution mentor, a Drupal.org project application reviewer, and the maintainer for the thing we're talking about today, automatic updates. We're also joined today by Fabian Franz in Switzerland, senior technical architect and performance lead at Tag1. Fabian is one of the five Drupal 7 core branch maintainers. He's also one of the top 50 contributors to Drupal 8 and maintainer for several Drupal 8 core subsystems, including BigPipe, Dynamic Page Cache, and Theme API, all very important uh, systems in Drupal. We're also joined today by uh, uh, Tim Lehman, uh, located in Portland, Oregon, the CTO at the Drupal Association. Tim's been leading the Drupal Association engineering team for a number of years now to great success, overseeing amazing initiatives to support Drupal development in the community. Uh, this includes the contribution credit system, the recent move to GitLab, and he's taken point on managing the relationship with the European Commission as well, as they sponsor this wonderful initiative uh, here. So uh, just to kick things off, I want to turn over the mic to Mike Myers to talk briefly about Tag1 and why it is that we're talking about automatic updates, which is, once again, one of the most incredible topics, I think, that we can talk about in this series. Awesome. Thanks, Preston. Happy to be here. Uh, Tag1 is the second all-time leading contributor to Drupal. We have the largest concentration of core maintainers, uh, and our team maintains over a dozen core systems like user and views. Um, we uh, do a lot of our business based on Drupal, uh, and auto-uploader is key to uh, keeping your sites up to date. So I'm excited to hear how this great new feature uh, is going to help uh, end users, agency partners, platform companies, better manage their Drupal sites. Absolutely. An automatic update, you know, this, this whole notion of auto update is, you know, it's been something that's been in the back burner of Drupal for a long time. It's also part of a very interesting aspect of the Drupal community, which I think is, is very important to call out, which are the 10 or so currently ongoing Drupal core strategic initiatives. Before we jump into the technology itself, let's just step back for a bird's eye view for a moment. What is a strategic initiative in the Drupal community? And what are some of the past and current ones? Uh, how did this whole initiative come to be? 
I think that's a great question and I'd be happy to speak to it a little bit. Uh, so this is Tim with the DA. Um, so the strategic initiatives for Drupal are sort of uh, laid out on maybe an annual basis, maybe a little bit longer than that in terms of horizon frequently uh, in Dries's keynotes at DrupalCon um, where he um, talks about kind of key priorities for the Drupal project that he's discussed together with the whole core maintainer team and sort of prioritized and settled on as uh, kind of the major efforts um, that he wants to rally the community around and certainly the, the core developers around in terms of uh, moving the Drupal project forward. So in the past, um, these, these have been things like um, adding composer support to the Drupal project along with the release of uh, Drupal 8, uh, things like um, updating the migrate system, things like uh, providing uh, the API first features uh, in Drupal um, and a number of things like that. And so, um, yeah, it was, I think, in 20, 2017 or 2018 when Dries first called attention to the need for automatic updates as a, as a sort of foundational feature for Drupal, um, pointing out that, um, you know, this is something that a lot of commercial and proprietary software kind of already does and does well, and even some other open source projects are doing it. And it really makes a big difference to the sort of total cost of ownership of people who run Drupal sites. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about that angle, Tim. I think there's a lot of folks on this uh, session here today who are really interested in learning more about what you just mentioned, the TCO, uh, total cost of ownerships. Um, what exactly is the benefit of auto update to these small and medium sized businesses? You mentioned agencies as well. Um, uh, what sorts of use cases are we supporting with this? Yeah, it's a great question. And so let me paint a picture uh, first for sort of what happens right now around um, updates and particularly sort of the the time period that's, I think, the most time intensive and critical for most people who maintain sites, whether they're agencies maintaining on behalf of clients or the end users themselves. So that's security updates. Security updates are, of course, something that are very important, something that people need to keep up with as quickly as they can. Um, and so there's sort of this um, culture and community in, uh, within the Drupal community of everybody kind of getting together during a core security release window on Wednesdays, hanging out in Slack, talking to each other and, and waiting for that security release to drop. Now, you know, while we have these security release windows, they can take, you know, sometimes they come out right on time, sometimes they take several hours, um, but that window is sort of US centric because that's where a lot of the security team members are. And so what that means is teams all over the world are sort of up on high alert, whatever time it might be locally, um, uh, waiting for this kind of critically important patch to drop so they can update sites, make sure they're secure. And so this is something that takes a lot of time that people can't really plan for so much. Um, they have to be there in that window and they don't really have much of a choice. Um, and so this is a, a situation that can be expensive in terms of just keeping your developers on call, uh, paying overtime if you're outside of the time zone that these windows happen, all those sorts of things. And, and there's a lot of anxiety around them. So that was sort of one of the first elements that we wanted to address is um, making the security update process in particular um, easier, something you don't have to be so worried about, and then expanding on that to other use cases. So now one question I had, because that's, that's pretty fascinating for me, is uh, for years the Drupal community has kind of said, we need auto-updates, we need auto-updates, we need auto-updates. And it was always like, hey, um, but it's not, not possible in all. So um, how come this direction change that now um, we are thinking it's, it's possible finally? 
Um, that's a really good question. You know, I think there's a few factors that all came into play. Um, and I think Lucas can speak to this a little bit more than I can, but just from a, an overall view, I think just various things came together. Um, the architecture of Drupal 8 had changed um, along, you know, starting to do things like support composer workflows, but also incorporating other um, elements like the, you know, symphony as, as a core element, all those kinds of things. But also we began observing just, uh, you know, in the open source world, other people doing this. So for example, WordPress has an auto update system. Some other projects have an auto update system. So I think people have been thinking about how we're going to architect something that would work in a Drupal context for quite a while. Um, so Lucas, do you want to maybe speak to what came together to make it more sort of possible to consider? Oh, I think we lost your audio, Lucas. Lucas, you're on mute. Can we guess? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yes, much better. Ah, great. So I, th I think it's a bit of a myth um, that we had bought into. We, we had said to ourselves, we can't do this. And, and, and we said it to ourselves long enough that we had convinced ourselves. Uh, but then as we start, started seeing the competition in WordPress and others doing uh, in-place updates or auto updates of some form, we said, well, let's see if we can solve this, this tough problem. And, and we're close. Um, we've spent a lot of time architecting this. We're still, um, not 100% there, but I, I think we're, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and uh, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good success as, as we get to the, the, the finish of this, this first part of the, the initiative. Now I'm really curious. Um, so how did you split up this, this mega task of, of, of getting even started with this tough problem? Well, I mean, we, let's see, we, we, we did a lot of architectural thinking, a lot of discussions at various camps and Drupal cons. Um, yeah, I think one of the, you know, it, it was kind of a, a confluence of a few factors that came together and, and made it work well. So we had a, um, we had kind of a, a meeting of minds uh, between some key contributors and the core team at Midwest Drupal Summit in 2018 and did a lot of sort of architectural work. And at the same time, with these conversations with the European Commission had started and they were talking about how Drupal was kind of a critical part of their infrastructure and they wanted to find something to support. And so we sort of put two and two together and said, hey, we can do this. But yeah, scope is always a problem, right? It's a huge, it's a huge project. And so what we sort of said was, okay, well, if we want to do some sort of phased scenario, what, what's the most important thing to start with? What has the biggest impact on people? And what kind of simplifies the task a little bit? And that's where we came to security updates in particular in, as being kind of the focus of this first phase because it both lets us um, focus on just patch releases that shouldn't be destructive in terms of what's being changed in those patches um, and also um, fixes a kind of critical need that, that a lot of the community has. That's really great. Maybe before we, uh, we jump into the underlying architecture and how all this comes together, can you give us a background on like how this works? Is this going to update my production website in the background? Is this something I can do on my development environment and put through a CICD system? Um, how does this work at a high level? I think the answer is yes to all of those questions. It's, it's supposedly um, flexible. 
uh, at least that's how we're designing it. I think it's gonna be a little bit like the configuration management system and that there was an original intent for how we do this. And I think the original intent at this point is that you would have be a small site owner and you'd wanna in place update on a live site. Um, so definitely we're trying to make that as stable as possible. But if you've got a continuous integration system set up, there's nothing stopping you as a site owner from wiring into that. And then, and then we'll iterate. Um, this, is, this is an initiative that uh, has multiple phases planned out already. Um, so, so it could be possible for me as, as I mean, um, if I had 100 Drupal sites or something like that, it could be possible for me to just get, instead of waiting for many, many hours on this Wednesday, I would just get get the package kind of pushed to me just as potential scenario. Uh, and then um, once the patch arrives and I can distribute it, test it if my basic tests work and distribute it automatically, basically. Yeah, I mean, we, we some of the initial conversations I had was at Midcamp with folks from, from Pantheon and from the, at the time it was Drupal Commerce, they've renamed themselves to, Oh, I'm going to butcher their name. Centaro is the name. Centaro, right. So we've, we've got different folks in, in, in the room and we're all just chatting about this idea of auto-update and everyone, um, Pantheon has its um, upstreams and there's, there's nothing stopping any of these even uh, infrastructure owners from certifying things and, and updating, the, the, updating the, the URLs where you pull down files so that it's from a vetted source of, of things where they've already done QA and add, added their secret sauce to this. I'm not saying that that's what's gonna happen because I don't know the future, but we're definitely trying to build this as flexibly as possible so that uh, even the, the hosting providers and your service providers can add their own secret sauce. Um, some of this might or might not play real well with what we're doing with, um, with what we're doing around the uh, the hashing and uh, cryptographic signing of some of the resources, but at the at the very least, um, there's flexibility in the in the in the base architecture. So and I want to get. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Fabian. I'm really curious. Um, as Drupal seven maintainers, it's only for Drupal eight, or would Drupal seven, where we still have probably million sites out there, uh, also be? Well, because of the source of our funding here, we're in an interesting place where the, the backport policy for Drupal is you have to do it in Drupal 8. Eventually it'll be Drupal 9 and, and then we backport from there. But the funding and the interest from the European Commission has really been Drupal 7. So we're, we're, we're playing to two, to two camps here. We've got to, to fulfill our contracts with the, the European Commission. And so all of the goodness of Drupal 8 is getting backported as we go along. And at this point, uh, essentially everything that's in there for eight has already been built out for seven. Very interesting. And I want to get back to the, uh, what you just mentioned, Lucas, about um, flexibility and, and, and some of the really interesting elements there. But first, you, you, know, we've, 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 you know, we've established that this is going to be for both Drupal 7 and Drupal 8, which is, I'm sure, music to everyone's ears uh, listening right now. I'm curious though, you know, because this is such an ambitious project as, as both you and Tim and, and Fabian have all mentioned, um, where are we right now in sort of the life cycle? You know, I know by the way, you have a full roadmap already outlined. There's gonna be a link by the way in the description of this video uh, if you wanna check out the full roadmap for auto updates. 
but what's currently part of the uh, initial alpha as of right now? So we did an alpha one, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. Um, and we did that because we, we now have something of value. There's this concept that we're building into the auto updates called uh, PSAs or public uh, safety alerts or announcements. So when these Drupalageddon Drupal type events happen, when these majorly critical things are coming down the pipe, we can now have another channel, yet another channel to alert even small site owners that their site is now out of date. Um, we're doing yet another channel because we've already got the existing, hey, you've got security updates. Hey, we've got Twitter. Hey, we've got Slack. That only sort of alerts and notifies folks if they're kind of following the Twitter feed. Um, and we already sort of send out the, the emails about your site has updates available for it uh, for everything already. So it's a little bit like the, the boy calling wolf uh, every other week. Um, so this is just uh, another channel, but it's going to be used um, with great care. It's going to be used maybe, I, once or twice a year. And, and then we'll be able to send out these alerts to folks. And we have that now for both, six, uh, for both seven and eight. So um, to, just to clarify for me, um, so um, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, probably not, but um, just imagine I'm one of those that always clicks away this message. Oh, there's updates available. Yes, I know I haven't updated this module in a while or there's security updates. Oh, but this module I can't. And so I'm missing a crucial core update. But instead of that message, this generic message and many also disable update module because it makes things slower at some parts. Um, so um, the thing is, instead of that, I would be getting the message on Wednesday, the date there's a critical security update, please pay attention or something like that. So it's more direct communication to-, to Direct communication, it'll happen the, the days and uh, the days preceding to the Wednesday as well. So whenever the security team decides that, hey, this is important, um, they, they send out the emails a, a day or so in advance. This would also be part of their process. So the other part of what we've got uh, built in in this alpha is what's called readiness checks uh, or pre-flight checks, if you want to put it another way. And Sorry, the, go ahead. The readiness checks um, just basically go out and say, are you ready? If, if, if you got an update tomorrow or tonight in 10 minutes, would you be ready to, to update using this technology? And, and we spent a lot of time thinking, well, how do we go about this? We even renamed it from pre-flight checks because of our, our non-English speaking community, we thought it doesn't have as much meaning as, as a readiness check. Readiness checking goes out and, and sees, hey, is your, is your site hacked? Um, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, is your, is your, do you have enough disk space? If we were to apply an update, do you have two megabytes of disk space and you're gonna fail? Um, you know, there's about eight of these things we, that we decided. And some of them are, are, are errors, some of them are warnings. Um, as an example, we'll, we'll warn you if you're not running uh, cron on your site frequently enough. If you're not running it frequently enough, we uh, know that you're not gonna automatically update your site in the next couple of hours. But that's a warning, we're not gonna block you. But 
if your mount if your your site is mounted on a read-only hard drive for reasons of security you can't really go out and update a read-only hard drive that's just going to fail um, and that would be an error so you know, we've got this whole concept around readiness checks it's a plugin part of um, the, the Drupal 8 plugin system, Drupal 7, we've done something similar to that. Um, not plugins, but the same, same business logic is in there. Can, can we update you quickly? And both of these things at this point are now available in the 7 and 8 alphas. Wait, where can I download this? <laughs> yeah, right now. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so we've already spent um, a, you know, a great deal of time talking about uh, readiness checks, and I want to get more into the features of the automatic updates uh, module. But, but first, I want to move into kind of a, an, 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 you know, very interesting subject for our audience, because you know, this has been a very uniquely challenging problem for Drupal for a very long time. How did you, know, you all manage to architect this into the right solution, and also one that could potentially be expanded out to other PHP projects like uh, WordPress, for example? I don't know that I was involved in the early, early conversations, but since um, the beginning of 2019, I've been um, involved. Um, so some, Tim, you wanna bring up some sure, of the early yeah. conversations? I can, get, I can get into some of the early architectural discussion. So, you know, I think the, um, the concern has to do, you know, as, as Lucas was saying earlier, we had this myth that uh, Drupal use cases and Drupal sites were so varied and so complex that that meant there wasn't a good way to have a kind of set of standards for doing an auto update process. And, you know, we just really started interrogating those things in the last two years or so and said, well, is that really true? Um, and, and what it came down to be is that, you know, the, the concerns were all about confidence. They were all about that ability to understand, hey, is, can we really be confident that these updates will apply, apply cleanly, that they're not gonna break folks' sites? Um, what do we do if we miss something and it does break folks' sites? So we spent a lot of this time saying, okay, what kind of architecture can we create um, to give us the maximum confidence so that whether you're running this as an attended or even unattended auto update, you'll, you'll be able to feel like you, you know it's not gonna break your site. And so that meant that we needed to architect these readiness checks. We needed to talk about uh, something that's coming in the second phase, which is, this notion of having an AB version um, of your code base so that you can run an update, but if something fails, flip back to the known good uh, version, um, almost like a bootloader concept is what we were inspired by. Um, and then, um, then we had thought about, okay, well, what else is involved? Well, we need to make sure that we can uh, generate something that is the kind of equivalent of a patch, not literally the patch that's just been released, but sort of a quasi patch as Lucas termed it, that will apply all these changes cleanly to sites. And then finally, we need to give people confidence in what's being delivered. Um, so that means having um, a good way to secure the package delivery system that comes from Drupal.org, ensure that it's signed and verifiable uh, so that people know that what they're installing is in fact, you know, coming from a trusted source. Um, so it's, it's uh, all of these concerns are about confidence and integrity of the system. And so that's kind of what we built into it. And then once we realized, hey, you know, there's ways to solve each of these problems. There's ways to solve confidence that the update will apply before you do it. There's ways to solve confidence in, in being able to roll back if you need it. There's ways to solve the confidence in the trusted source of the package. 
then we realized, you know, it's, it's almost significantly simpler. Um, you know, if you assume that we've solved those problems, we're just applying patches and, and, and a couple processes to make sure those things apply cleanly. So, um, and from there, we got into the real uh, weeds of the architecture, which I think Lucas could probably speak to more. It's interesting that you say it's simple because the, the, the patch that we've built right now for this service to uh, auto update your site, it's a service. Half of this patch is testing. Actually, probably more of the patch is testing. It's like 500 lines, 400 lines of code to update your site. Seriously, it's it's really small amount of code to grab an artifact off of Drupal.org, download it, and overlay overlay that 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 I'm calling it a quasi patch because it's not a, a full patch, it's not a, a regular patch. It's all the files that would be touched in uh, a version between 8.7.3 and 8.7.4, as an example. If there's 10 files, we grab all those 10 files, put them in this patch. That way we don't have to worry about git apply or patch utils or anything on the server. We just have to deal with what's already built into PHP, copy and paste. And we do the copy and paste and we do all of this. And, and I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna credit um, Nate Lampton here. Um, his, his vision here was do it all in the same HTTP request. If you do it all in the same HTTP request and you roll back in the same HTTP request, the site can't actually go down. Well, knock on wood. I mean, it, it still probably could in very rare in, uh, edge cases, but um, it's, it's about, I don't know, two or 300, 400, 500 lines of code, depending on uh, if you start counting some of our tests in there as well. Very interesting. You know, I think the, 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 you know, the way that you've solved this problem with, um, you know, obviously these quasi patches and, and just the thinking that's gone into this really reflects, um, I think, the amazing commitment that, that you all have shown to making this an, uh, an, a, a really successful feature. Um, I want to dig into some of the features now. You know, I think that, um, you know, we've already delved a little bit into some of the public safety messaging and the readiness checks, but just for our uh, readers and our listeners and, our, and, and all the folks in the audience today, I want to define just very clearly what those uh, three major components of auto updates are. The first is public safety messaging, um, which we talked about briefly already. The second is readiness checks or pre-flight checks, which really indicate, you know, when uh, a site is ready to go. And then finally, I think the most compelling of all of these, which are the actual in-place updates that occur. Um, what can we learn, you know, you know, Lucas, you mentioned earlier about Drupal Geddon um, and some of the ways in which, you know, for example, I, you know, every time I get a security advisory tweet or, or see that pop up, sometimes, you know, it, it, just, just the urgency of it doesn't really register with me or, or things of that nature. I know Fabian also mentioned that as well. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what sorts of other aspects of public safety messaging did you, did, you know, did your team consider during this whole, uh, this whole effort? And um, what other uh, uh, components are, are involved in that? Well, I, I really wish there was more folks on this call because it, it's not just the folks here on this call that have really contributed. It's been a whole team in the auto updates uh, channel in Slack and folks at different camps and conferences. Um, so uh, what have we discussed? I mean, there, there is other thoughts around just doing, uh, figuring out what is on the site already and, and sending and calling home to Drupal.org and sending information. But uh, there's security and um, privacy concerns around that. And so 
for the, the scope of, of what we're doing right now, we're trying to keep it simple for, for messaging. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would add to that. Basically, we, co we coordinated very closely with the security team naturally because, um, because this first focus was on, was on the security side of automatic updates. And so the main thing that we did was say, look, they, have, uh, they already have their security advisory a content type architecture on Drupal.org, which is the basis of how um, you know, the regular sort of standard canonical announcements go out. Um, so what we asked ourselves was, okay, what are, what are the requirements to changing that to provide a feed that could be consumed, um, uh, a sort of a JSON feed that could be consumed by this uh, auto-update system? And then how do we put sort of policy restrictions in place to say, hey, look, this is going to be a more prominent message appearing in people's admin interface um, but we don't want to cry wolf, as people have said. We don't want to overuse it. So, you know, what controls do we put in place? And mostly that'll be at the discretion of the security team to say, when is it worthwhile to, to put out this, uh, this message about those additional updates? And I think the you know interesting thing here is that you know we're 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 really trying to reduce the burden on the user, right? Um, you know through this JSON feed, through the way in which we're going to be able to get this alert directly to the to the audience. Um, now, just to move into more of more of the you know the way that the user experience or the way that the site owner experience is really improving here, um, these readiness checks, these 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 pre-flight checks, you know that run um, every six hours or via cron jobs. Um, how do they uh, really play into this whole uh, feature and this whole uh, uh, sort of notion of automatic updates? For, I was just going to add before Lucas runs into the architecture, for my two cents, what Lucas and, and others have architected is really great because it's an extensible system. New kinds of readiness checks can be created as time goes on. And what's been developed so far has been the result of you know, core contributors and the security team and, and just other general contributors coming together and saying, okay, what are those scenarios and use cases that are going to be most important to determining whether or not an end user can actually, you know, run this auto update process? What's going to block them from, from this, from taking advantage of this new system that will, that will make things easier? And so, you know, building this in, so these currently eight or so different categories of readiness checks run on a regular basis and then provide their results report so the site owner knows, oh, hey, if I fix, you know, this read-only directory or if I fix whatever these, these warnings are or errors are um, in advance of this next round of updates going on, it's going to be much more of a breeze for me. So, um, you know, I just think those elements are going to be um, are, are really valuable. They're already valuable. There are already some things that, that I think people should be taking advantage of if they want to try out the alpha. Um, but I think the, the, the underlying message is they're only going to become more valuable as, as people test the alpha and as we move into the first phase stable release and things like that, we're only going to learn more from contact with the world about other things that we could be checking, other things that we could be creating warnings or errors or, or messages for um, in order to, to, to help people be ready to take full advantage of the system. So quick question to the readiness checks, um, because really interesting. So. Um, as far as I've understood, it's plugin based. So it's, it's uh, plugin based, indeed. So, as a site owner, uh, or as an, as an, for example, hosting provider, I could add my own readiness checks. As a site owner, I could own my, add my own readiness checks. So, if I need something more, like for example, running some very basic tests or something that my homepage is still reachable or whatever I want, I, I could just do that with that plugin. Yeah, you could. Um, 
we, we tried to come up with the basic ones that are very reusable. Um, most of these readiness checks are somewhere in the range of about, of real code of about five to 10 lines. <laughs> Can we write to a file on your hard drive? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that, that doesn't take that long to figure out that you can't do that. Um, and, and, and it's really simple. You, you tag a serve, uh, a plugin with uh, the right the right tags, look at an example. And now as an agency or, or even as a, you know, as a large company, if you, if you have some, some specific rules around, hey, we need to make sure that the moon is in the third phase right now, um, you can do that. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah, I, I would add, you know. That's really cool. Another question I have is if I have a core and as core and Lena, I sometimes have to do that. Um, can I still use the auto updates in that? I mean, is, is it like preventing me from that, especially if a file is updated that I never hacked? Or we're not, we're not blocking you from updating core if you, or, or any contrib module, if you have a file that's modified. Remember we're using a quasi patch approach here. So if you are about to update something and re so we will, for the, the readiness check, if you've got a modified patched file in core, we will warn you saying you're not, there's some uncertainty here because what happens if a patch, um, a quasi patch between eight dot something and eight dot something else comes out tomorrow? Well, you can look at what's been modified. If it's in mm, book module, and you don't even use the book module on your site. Um, or the book module hasn't been modified in six years or something. I mean, it's, if, you, if you can look at it and you say, well, I've patched this thing and it's rarely patched um, uh, or there's no security issues in it that have come out for many years, then you have greater confidence that you'd probably be okay. That said, when we go to apply that update, we're gonna take that specific one and we're gonna say, no, 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 you can't override a file if it's been modified. So any of your unchanged files, uh, you know, as long as you check from the warnings and you think it's otherwise okay, any of your files that are unchanged from what, what, uh, what the architecture has, uh, you know, when it does its comparison, then, then yeah, those can still apply. I wanna go into a little bit about um, this, how are we figuring out if files have changed? I think that's a really interesting component to all of this. One that I wish I had had more, I wish I could say that I had more thought into it, but it was, it's really the community. Um, there, there's this whole concept though that um, makes sense after it was explained to me the first time about pr doing a file hash, just do an MD5 sum, well, not an MD5 sum, a SHA-256 or a SHA-512 sum. We do that of every single file in all of core, all of contrib, the Drupal Association has really uh, helped us out a lot here. They're gonna provide an official feed for hashes for all of these things. This is the type of stuff that if you look at the Linux distributions out there in the world, they've been doing this for a super long time. If you try to download Composer even, there's a SHA sum there and you grab that SHA sum and you're supposed to do SHA you know, sum to compare that and to make sure that you know, what you just downloaded is actually what um, was ho uh, provided on the on the website. That's the type of technology we're we're, we're building into, and um, 
we're doing it not only to, to see is your site been modified, we're also doing it to have greater certainty assurance that these quasi patch archives that we're downloading haven't been hacked or modified by a man in the middle attack or some other uh, attack. Um, we're gonna, um, there's, there's a whole, and we'll link this into, if you're really wanting to look into it, um, there's a whole project that, that we've worn, that the Drupal community has now provided to the world on GitHub called PHP Signify. And it's using change signatures and um, we've, we've been going through it trying to figure out, but what, you know what it is? It's, it's following a pattern that BSD is using. BSD Linux has used the same thing. We're just standing on their shoulders. So the, the current concerns about, well, did you write this, this hashing and verification system yourself? No, we didn't. And we also had some super, super smart people in the community contribute to this at uh, the Midwest um, Developer Settlement this summer. Very interesting. And I think, you know, this just indicates, uh, you know, the amount of thought that went into this. Um, and, you know, the notion of actually introducing your own readiness checks is something very interesting. You know, we mentioned the, uh, you, know, you know, what phase the moon is in. I can see this being useful if you have, for example, a, a decoupled Drupal implementation and you have to wait on other code that you're working with to be ready before, uh, uh, you know, starting an automatic update, uh, such as your, your decoupled application or, or front end. Um, so now with these, uh, you know, the uh, third feature that we just named was um, in place updates, which, um, you know, as you, as you mentioned, Lucas, just now, um, you know, you want to be very secure. You want to make sure that potentially these zips that are being downloaded are not in any way uh, affected by man middle attacks. Um, so, so what, how do you uh, uh, look at that from the standpoint of the in-place update feature? Um, uh, what's, what's going on in there that uh, in the actual Drupal site itself, now that you've got uh, those updates ready to go? So, so the mechanics of this, this small patch that we've got right now um, is, in a, is that we download a zip file. The zip file has six files in it. You know, boot, bootstrap.include is one of them, as in my example here. But another file that we have in here is this, this, this signature file. It's called a um, csig. It's, um, it's using the same format that BSD Linux is using. Uh, PHP, uh, the project that we're using is called PHP Signify. It's standing on the shoulders of Libsodium, which is baked into PHP as of 7.0 or 7.1. Someone will comment in the feed here and correct us. Um, which also has uh, backwards compatibility shims all the way back to PHP 5.3. So if you're still on a Drupal 7 site and you're on an old version of PHP, you could still have this stuff work for you. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's doing a hash and, and it's using things like SHA to, to hash these files, compare the hash to a, a public, uh, publicly signed and privately signed key pair of, of things. We're even talking about I'm not talking, we're doing. The Drupal Association is, is in the process of acquiring and installing a, a HSM so that we can do this in a very, very secure manner. Um, and the HSM will then be taken offline and, 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 and 
it, you can't get more secure than this. Yeah. Uh, are, is Drupal really a target? You know, someone in conspiracy theory might say that it is, but I, even if it isn't a target, or even if it is, we're doing this in the most secure manner that we can. Yeah, and I mean, I, oh, sorry, just, just to add to that a little bit, I think it's really, it's really interesting and robust the way it's architected, right? So Drupal.org delivers these um, hashed and signed uh, files uh, with the quasi patch plus all of the appropriate signature files with the relevant metadata to verify all that. Um, and then again, as Lucas said, anyone using the auto update system, as long as they're on a, even a very old version of PHP with these shims in place, the PHP process can do the verification of the signatures and um, the hashing and all of that. And then, you know, we know that it's not an interrupted uh, package that's been modified in flight. There wasn't a man in the middle attack or anything like that. And then on our side, using these um, using an HSM, we're able to do secure key rotations on a regular basis. We're able to, um, you know, validate, hey, you know, when was the last time this was checked? Is it within a, a valid window of being signed? All this kind of stuff. Um, so it's a really, really robust system. And I have to say, we're sort of, we're, we're, we have the advantage, um, you know, it took us a while to get here, but we have the advantage of being able to look at the example of other projects, whether that's a BSD system that a lot of this is based on, but also look at say WordPress or other projects that have started implementing their own systems and say, you know, these are, these are the impressive things they've done, but they may be missing this piece in terms of the signatures and man in the middle protection, or maybe they're missing this other piece. And how do we, how do we kind of get a lot of that right from the start? Um, and part of this is only possible because Drupal has maintained its uh, status as kind of a centralized project, right? Drupal.org is the home of most, but not all. Uh, code related to the Drupal project. And that helps us be able to sign and deliver all the relevant packages. And, and with our move to GitLab, I think some other folks who aren't here are probably coming back as well, so. And I'm very glad you're, you're doing that, especially with the HSM, because the recent Webman hack uh, kind of showed how, how bad is this if, if you deliver like, like hacked software to users. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of our, our audience is very concerned about that, um, just given uh, uh, the amount of risk that's, that's possible here. Um, so I have one question for you both, Tim and Lucas. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that I know a lot of our audience is curious about is, well, okay, so, you know, you, you, know, you, you have these archives, makes sense, but, but what happens if, if we're using Composer? Um, you know, I use Composer, you know, I've got Drupal 8.8. Uh, uh, you know, what exactly is, is um, planned for Composer or does it already work for uh, sites that use Composer? So when you go to 8.8.0, when that gets launched in October, uh, you will have Composer whether you know it or not. The Composer initiative has been really rolling and rocking um, quite, quite quickly here in the last few months. And a lot of things have come together such that when you upgrade to 8.8.8, 8.8.0, you're going to have Composer just by uh, installing uh, and upgrading to 8.8. So that does open up the question because when this whole initiative of auto update started, we, we said, well, we don't have any official Composer support in core. Remember the funding is coming from European Commission, which will dry up, here, that funding will dry up here shortly. Let's focus on the needs of Tarball. So we have spent a lot of time on Tarball because of where, you know, pragmatic reasons. But none of that means that you, none of that though means that we've not thought about Composer and we have thought about it. And there's uh, two or three different scenarios that we've considered 
with Composer, and the first two of them, you're fine. You're not going to have an issue. Let me talk about those. The first one is you've been using, uh, you've been, you're on a site that's been using tarballs since day one. Uh, and, and again, let me, let me pause there. This is really an issue on Drupal 8. When we go back to Drupal 7, the, the number of sites that are using Composer are very minimal. So you can do it, I guess. I, I've never done it. Drupal 8, though, it is an issue. If you've been doing tarballs and you're still running before 8.8, .8, let's just make it simple. You're not going to have any issues at all. 8.8 comes around, you've upgraded to that because you're being a good boy or girl. Now you've got Composer, you're still okay <laughs> because we're just overlaying files. The problem that comes in is when you start using the capabilities of Composer and you do a Composer require and your Composer JSON and your Composer lock file start to get modified. In the case of that, you're going to have some, some, some additional considerations. Again, if it's just an overlay of files, you still will probably work in nine out of 10 times. Nothing that we've done will have an issue for your site. If you're wanting to patch, say, token module, you know, it's one of the more popular modules out there. And you know, security release comes out for token and, and it's been managed through Composer, we'll do that. That's not a problem. It's when you're dealing with a thing like, I'm gonna pick um, commerce, I'm pick on commerce. Commerce has a lot of um, vendor dependencies as well. If you want to update commerce with this in phase one, and I wanna be clear, phase one, there are lots more plans in the future you might have it a little bit more tricky. If it's just one file in commerce, again, you still probably won't have a problem. But if it's a file, and, and I, I've got this all written down in an issue on Drupal.org, we'll link to it, because this gets tricky. Um, if, if, it's a, you know, if it's a file that isn't in a vendor folder, then you're fine. But if you start dealing with modified composer JSON vendors, um, but again, if you think about the audience here, it's for folks that probably wouldn't have been doing Composer update, Composer require up till now because they were on Tarball. And so I think at least for version 1.0 of this module, we're going to learn so much. Um, so all that to say, Composer is thought of. There's more to come with it. And we'll make it better with time. We're going to beef up that support. Absolutely. And I want to ask uh, uh, just the other elephant in the room here that I know um, a lot of people have on their minds. Is this going to be part of Drupal core? Uh, or, you know, is this going like all is, is all of this going into core? At what point do we see this um, being in Drupal core? We've been working with the core contributors and we even have Fabian on the call today. Um, we've been working with core contributors from day one. This is an initiative out of the Drupal Association and and this is not done in a vacuum. So the, the simple answer is all of this will go into Drupal core. Uh, we're going to incubate it and contrib. That said, some of the actual implementations will not, uh, of how we're doing this are not going to go in to core. We're not going to do this whole um, overlaying of files thing uh, on the live site, or at least not unless something changes. 
because there's too much risk there. Even though it's still very low risk, the, the core maintainers and release managers are still feeling that that's too much. So we've, we've got plans for phase two, uh, unfunded plans. I'm gonna put a, um, a request out there for funds. We need more funds. Um, for this AB controller where you've got a live site on A and over on B you've got um, the, the two, the uh, about to be updated site and we're gonna flip um, back and forth between A and B. And uh, if B has a problem, we switch it back to A. Um, and then you know, we, just, we just keep doing that. Uh, and, and as we do that, we can also start doing things more with Composer perhaps, um, beefing up that support. But it, all of the, the simple answer is all of this will go into core. Um, so, uh, and what's the roadmap for, um, for the public safety announcements? Because that doesn't seem that much to it besides that needing to be a secure channel that I could commit that to Drupal 7 kind of right now. <laughs> so um, what are the plans from the eight maintainers there um, when we could get this in? We're, we're still in discussions with, with, with you guys, Fabian, um, <laughs> because we, we, we want to figure out when's, when's the most ideal time to take these features over. We've really been focusing on the, the, the end of, of the year deadline. Um, but if someone were to grab the code, roll a patch and throw it up there, there's no stopping anyone from RTV seeing that, reviewing, testing, what you know, and, and getting that into core now, because it's pretty stable. Um, I say that, but I also say we've got to learn a lot. This whole thing, we need to learn more. More information needs to be gathered. Uh, and I was, I was hoping that we would have a little bit of a chance to have several hundred sites, thousand sites with the contrib module installed with this on there, figuring out the right wording for this messaging so that we don't annoy people to death, but we don't do it too infrequently either. Um, and, and just in, and iterate and improve on it in contrib where the gates are a little bit lower, the stakes are a little bit lower. Uh, and then when it's ready, move it into core. Yeah, I mean, you could always start with a simple experimental model module yeah. that has, has uh, worked very well. It is one real quick question to the composer thing, just if I get this right. So the problem with comments is, for example, that the security patch might itself depend on a, on a vendor library update. And then I, I got problems because then I can't, can't kind of know what kind of vendor libraries in there. Is that kind of where the problems go into? Yeah, I, I really probably should link it and I feel like I did a poor description. Um, but yeah, it, like some of our more recent Drupal 8 updates were worked for with a FAR file and we've got a vendor file in here. Um, if someone has run Composer update at some point and they've already updated to a newer version and in the midst of all of this, they've got a newer version of Symfony and some other components, it, phew, it could get really messy. Um, I think what we're hoping to do is just release this so that folks can give us that feedback. Is this going to blow up on me? There's going to be a few folks that are going to be like, I don't care. Just give me the updated site. And those are going to be the risky folks. Those are the guys who go down the, the black diamond ski slopes without any protection and half kill themselves, you know, and, and, and the, you know, the, you, we need those guys out there to do this because they're going to report 
um, and, and probably get upset, <laughs> they broke them, their site. But we need those people to give us um, feedback. But if they don't give us feedback, if we give the folks the flexibility to hang themselves and there's silence, well, that also tells us a lot too. It says, well, maybe we can relax some of our, our, our um, relax some of what we're doing here and, and even maybe promote some of these more risky adventures. Definitely one quick question um, for a composer itself. Um, if I have, um, have you thought about the, um, the idea came up originally two years ago or something like that to just run Composer inside the web process with the virtual file system? Composer right now takes too much memory. And on shared hosting, where you're capped out at 512 megabytes or 256, if you've got other processes, uh, it becomes cumbersome. But a lot of the same folks that have been in these rooms have been thinking about this for a while. So more to come on that. I think we've got some ideas uh, to, to drop that. And in and, and phase two, uh, as funding comes available uh, for the community, that might, uh, we might have some more surprises in the wings. Sounds great. Tim, you, you, you know more about the future. Do you, do you wanna talk about where you see this going? I mean, why don't we talk a little bit of, yeah, just about sort of phase two and what's going on. So. Um, and just sort of move into a discussion of the future. So um, as we've said several times, you know, the European Commission, because they rely on Drupal and they have a commitment to all the open source technologies that they're a part of as part of their faucet program approached us um, before the beginning of the year and said that they wanted to, to set something up and generously they've, they've been supporting the work so far um, to do this sort of phase one of the project. But and, you know, as we've said, that's going to that's gonna run out. So then in the next phase, when we want to have better composer support um, and this AB system so that it can be uh, actually brought into core, those are really, I think, pro probably the two most major priorities. Um, we're going to, to really need to figure, figure out how we create us a sort of sustainable funding model for that. So, you know, for, for folks who are out there uh, who may be at large end user organizations who rely on Composer in your workflows, but are also interested in the possibilities of automatic updates, um, it'd be great to hear from you. You can reach out to me at the Drupal Association. Um, and, you know, that phase two, we're going to try and really plan a flag around that AB controller and more robust Composer support and see who we can bring to the table to help us uh, make that happen. Um, and, you know, a, a really, uh, it's really important to us that we move this forward. Um, the, it, it's, it's a huge priority for the project, of course, but it's also, you know, not, it's not been an easy problem to solve. As, as people have mentioned, we've been talking about this in the Drupal community for probably five plus years um, and are only now beginning to make some real progress. But it's take, taken work. As we've alluded to before, there's a huge group of people involved, staff on the Drupal Association side, um, uh, uh, people like Tag1 who've been working with us closely uh, to actually do implementation, uh, Lucas in particular, the security team, all the volunteers in the auto updates channel, just a huge amount of people, the core maintainers have all been involved. Um, and without funding, we might make a little bit of progress, but I don't want to go another five years without really delivering um, an even more robust system that we're capable of doing. So.
Yeah, I think this, um, you know, definitely shows the amount of support and backing from the community, but also from, uh, uh, you know, these, these sponsors that have really contributed a lot to make this a success. Um, obviously, we mentioned the Drupal Association, MTech, Tag1 Consulting, the European Commission and their, uh, their, their, their free and open source program. Um, I know that you all are looking for more sponsors. Uh, uh, Tim, just, just to be very clear, you know, to reach out to you, they can go to tim at association.drupal.org. That is, is That's that right. You can reach me there directly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I just want to mention briefly that, um, uh, you know, this is a very important initiative for the future of Drupal and, and for the ability for site owners to, to really have the ability to have that governance and, and, and maintenance that they've been you know, used to all along with, with so many of these, uh, of these projects. And, and so, Tim, just, just to jump back into the notion of uh, sponsorship and looking for contributions, um, why, you know, why should um, uh, folks look at sponsoring uh, this project? I mean, we've talked about, obviously, the benefits technically, but are there other benefits also to this? Yeah, I mean, in addition to the sort of technical benefits and the benefits of just being part of a, a you know, good citizens of an open source community and raising the tide for all ships, um, there's also, you know, because this is a strategic initiative for CORE, there's a lot of visibility into this project. So, um, you know, there's opportunity for sort of um, marketing and awareness campaigns around your support of this initiative if you choose to get involved, um, cross-promotional activities that can be done with the Drupal Association. Um, there's also opportunities for, you know, um, recruiting some of the best uh, talent in the Drupal community if your organization is looking to recruit some more uh, key talent. A lot of the contributors who've been involved, uh, whether on a volunteer basis or a contract basis with this initiative, are some of the, some of the most um, uh, talented folks in the whole community. Um, and, if, and you could recruit those people to your team. And then also, you know, this is something that gets talked about like on stage on the key, at, during the keynote at DrupalCon. So if, for example, we managed to get someone on board before DrupalCon Amsterdam, I'm sure we would be thrilled to announce that partnership with another organization um, moving forward into the next year during the keynote, during Dries' keynote. Uh, we're certainly going to be talking about uh, the progress on this initiative and all the organizations who've been involved uh, in the first phase so far. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about this at TripleCon Amsterdam. Before we kind of close things up here, though, I just want to, you know, ask, are there any other things that we wanted to mention about where this project is headed um, or any other things that the audience might be interested in? You know, I would just reiterate something that we said before, which is there's an alpha available now. It's been out for several weeks. So if you're in a position to try it out, uh, to, to kind of test it out and provide feedback, that would be wonderful. Um, if you're interested in being involved in the initiative, there's a lot of activity in the uh, auto updates channel in Drupal Slack, um, as well as in the uh, drupal.org slash project slash auto updates. So you can get involved there and help out. Um, and yeah, and certainly feel free, feel free to reach out to myself or, or uh, others involved if you have questions. Awesome work. Yes, this Thanks. is fantastic. <laughs> I've, I've mentioned it before, but this is this has been uh, the work of many, many people, and we've only got five or six on this call, which is uh, a poor representation of the larger community. So my shout out to to Drupal and the Drupal community. Absolutely. All righty. Well, um, I do want to, uh, we have run out of time here at the uh, Tag1 Team Talk. Um, so just to remind the audience here today, thanks again for joining. Uh, it was a really amazing conversation about automatic updates coming to Drupal. Uh, a really amazing thing. I'm looking forward to hearing about it in Amsterdam and Minneapolis. Um, just for your information, we post all of these, by the way, at uh, tag1.com slash tagteamtalks. All the links are going to be available alongside this video and audio recording. If you like this talk, if you like what you heard today, please remember to upvote, subscribe, 
and share it with all your colleagues, your parents, your friends, uh, your grandparents too. And as always, please, uh, uh, if you have any topics you want to hear about, if automatic updates is interesting to you, you want to bring Lucas and Tim back into the fray here, please write to us at Tag Team Talks at tag1consulting.com. I want to say a big thank you to Lucas, big thank you to Tim and to Fabian and to Michael as well for joining us today uh, for yet another Tag Team Talk. Thank you all and goodbye.